Welcome to Celebration Church's podcast. We hope this helps you to know God better and trust Him more. To learn more about Celebration Church, please visit us at celebrationchurchlive.com. We are officially here in our fourth part of our filtered series as we track along and we've been looking at this concept over and over again that our perception of life is shaped by whatever filters we're looking through. We started week one, put the little red glasses on, and we saw that the filter, the lens of Jesus is going to be necessary for us to recognize and honestly be able to, to properly study the Bible. The, the, the Bible is not going to make sense if you don't factor in who Jesus is and what he's done for us. You and I aren't even going to be able to deal with ourselves without factoring in Jesus, right? And we certainly can't deal with one another if we don't look through the lens of Jesus. And then we've kind of tracked through and, and looked at the hurts that come in and hold us back. And if you missed that one, you can catch it on our website and catch it on the video or the podcast. And then last week we looked at the, another place that can hold us up. Hurts can obviously hold us up. But for sure, even our wins can hold us up. Sometimes those great moments in life, if we choose to just kind of camp there and, and are not fully engaged with the fact that God still has great things ahead, that we just move along and move along and God carries us from one great thing to another, we can stop there. And t- today, we're going to look at kind of a lens that kind of brings back the root of why we stop at our hurts and why we stop at our wins. It's because sometimes the underlying thing is we're just afraid. We're just fearful. And so we want to deal with the hurt, I mean the, the fear lens head on this morning. We've been coming from this passage of Scripture over and over again throughout this because this, is, this is, tells us, this passage of Scripture, Paul tells us we need a lens shift. And Romans 12, 2 tells us to, to not be conform to the pattern of this world. This world has a way of functioning. And it's not always, in fact, it rarely is in line with what God says is right and the way God says we're to function. And we find the gears of those things grinding against one another. And so as Christ followers, these are people who've already stepped over from death to life. This isn't so that you can Be right with God. We're right with God based on what Jesus did. But to live out as a new creation and to have our minds shifted and renewed, we have to recognize that there's a pattern that this world is trying to, to herd us into and to get us to function in. And we don't want to conform to the pattern of this world. And to not do that, we have to be transformed by the renewing of our minds. Our minds tend to function alongside with the patterns of this world. And we have to let God and allow Him to renew the way we think. And only in that scenario, a renewed mind scenario, will, will we be able to, <clears throat> to test and approve what God's will is, His good, pleasing, and perfect will. That's the only time is when our minds have shifted and we begin to see things the way God. And then all of a sudden things begin to line up Anybody who's been on Facebook for any length of time has seen the cool art displays where you have all of the stuff that makes up and you, you step into a right place and all of a sudden there's a picture. 
but you step just a little bit to the side, and it's just a bunch of junk hanging from the ceiling. Any of y'all seen any of those that look like that? One of my favorite ones is somebody was extra brilliant and made one where you could see a giraffe from one angle, and you rotate for another angle, and you can see an elephant. I mean, it's a two-dimensional one. It's, a, it's, it's just absolutely amazing. It's a brilliant artistic mind that was able to come up with that. And the reason we can't approve and see what God's good, pleasing, and perfect will. So many times we look at our lives and we see just a bunch of dangling mess. But as we begin to let God renew our minds and shift us, all of a sudden we begin to come in line and we begin to see the picture and the details become clear when we begin to get things aligned with the way God has taught us and created us to think and to function because there's some things, especially this area of fear, that to a certain degree we feel like is a good, healthy thing. That somehow this fear thing is, is good and healthy and it's going to end up getting us the right results. And we can have some anecdotal evidence every once in a while that kind of leads us to that direction. And so I've got the pleasure of having my grandparents here with me this morning. i got my meemaw, my pawpaw, who are here. And so I uh, enjoy getting to, to have them here. And, and uh, many of y'all know my Mima and Papa through the stories I tell about them. And uh, one of my favorite stories I always liked for my Papa to tell me was the time that he got into a fight. Good old schoolyard fight. Of course, when kids are little, you want to hear about the fights. And so a good old schoolyard fight with a guy named Buster in La Mesa, Texas. And so Buster had moved in from California, which back, you know, 65, 70 years ago in West Texas in La Mesa, that might as well he've come from the moon. I mean, California was exotic. It had the beach. It had all this. And supposedly, supposedly, this guy Buster knew karate. So here's this guy, supposedly he's kind of a good-looking guy, new. If if you grew up in a small town, you understand what it means for a new, decent-looking person to show up at school. No one has dated that person. That's not somebody's ex. It's like fresh meat, everybody's excited. And so... uh, so I, I'm not sure, but I, I think Meemaw thought he, Buster might have had been a little bit of a good-looking man. I'm, I'm not, I don't know if she can attest to that on her own. Papa, he's not going to. She's nodding. Oh, my goodness. <laughs> Somebody get her a fan. And so, uh, and so uh, but uh, anyways, Papa didn't like that. This guy shows up on the scene, and, but everybody was afraid. Everybody's afraid of Buster. He's kind of tall, exotic. New karate. Nobody wanted to mess with Buster. And all of a sudden, Buster starts getting a little following, you know? He's turning all the girls' heads. All the guys want to be looking in that, be looking that direction and seeing with Buster. And he pretty soon gets a following. One day out on the schoolyard, one of my papa's best friends gets in a fight. Of course, you let the fair fight happen. Everybody gets in a circle. Come on, don't act that. You, you, you stood on the ring of a circle at school. You've done it. You've even pushed and kicked a little bit. I know you. And so, anyways, but you stood there and you let the fair fight happen. So, this, so my, the fight's going down. My papa's there. One of his best friends, his best friends is fighting. It's going his best friend's way. And this other guy jumps into the fight. My papa didn't like that. It's not a fair fight anymore. This is not right. So my papa goes in. 
like he's going to have his boys back. Papa jumps in, and then all of a sudden he hears the voice out of the crowd telling my papa to get out of the fight. So my papa is sitting there, and he's in the fight, and he says, if you're big enough, make me. Well, he didn't know who he was talking to. He's just in the scuffle. He's just getting it done. And so he turns to look at the new guy, that's this new voice that's coming in to make him, and he sees it's Buster. Buster is coming. He has mouthed off and told Buster to make me. So out of sheer terror and panic, he jumps up and grabs Buster in a headlock. Well, now he's got a problem. He's got Buster, and he don't want to be there. So his other fear instinct takes off, which means run away. So he takes off running with Buster in a headlock. And in blind fear, runs directly into a tree. Boom. Dazes Buster, knocks Buster silly. Buster falls back. Finish the fight. Papa looked like a ninja. Grabs the guy, puts him in a headlock, slams him into a tree. He's like original Assassin's Creed right there. La Misa edition. But it was all fear. He was just trying to get away. I was too afraid to let go of Buster. And it ended up working out okay. He ended up in uh, Buster's, Buster's image went down a few notches, and he was just one of the guys after that. And, and it all worked out okay. And there's something in us that somehow says that fear's our friend. That fear is there, and if we'll sit there and we'll listen to it and take its voice, then you know what? It's going to help us. It's going to get us out of this thing. But let's look at what 2 Timothy 1.7 says. It says, For God has not given us a spirit of fear, but of power and of love and a sound mind. You know what? Sometimes wisdom and fear will come to the same conclusions. You get too close to the edge of the Grand Canyon, wisdom says, back up. And fear can say, back up. And all of a sudden, we begin to think that fear sounds a whole lot like wisdom, so we'll just listen to fear all the time. No, wisdom, a sound mind, is going to keep us out of those different things. It's not the voice of fear. It's the voice of wisdom. And sometimes those things sound a whole lot, and we can be conditioned that all of a sudden we go, fear's our friend. Fear's good. And it's not. God has not given us a spirit of fear. When we were originally created, and had our, before sin had came in and wrecked us, we had no fear whatsoever. None. And one of the first responses as Adam and Eve violate what God had laid before them, they had an amazing life. And what does he do? He has a fear response and he runs and he hides and God calls for him. And as he says, Why? Why did you hide? Why were you gone? He says, well, we were naked and afraid. There they were. He says, who told you you were naked? And all of a sudden we recognize that the mind begins to function under a new paradigm. There was nothing wrong with this couple that God had brought together in creation. They're married. Married naked time is a good thing, folks. (laughs) God says married naked time. 
But all of a sudden, there was nothing wrong with it. There's no other people around. There's not Cousin Louie looking around the tree at Eve going, cover up, woman. There's nothing there, but their minds were flooded with the improper use of the naked form. And all of a sudden, shame and fear and all of this begins to come in, and they cover themselves. They cover themselves. Whenever they, before that, that, when that awareness didn't exist, there was no need for it. There was no need. We've not been given a spirit of fear. Fear has come in and it's coupled with the sin and death structure. It's coupled with it. And we need to break through. We have more people on anxiety medicine than ever in history. I'm not here to condemn you if you are that, if you're using that. I'm not here to do that to you. I'm here to tell you is that's not God's best for you. You don't have to live under that place where anxiety becomes the dominant force in your life. We don't have to have that lens anymore. We're free from that in Christ. We've not been given a spirit of fear, but of power and of love and a sound mind. See, the truth is is that fear can cripple us from moving forward with all that God has in store for us. It's been a neat little thing going floating around the internet and Facebook and all that stuff about that the command for us to fear not is in the Bible 365-ish times. It's pretty amazing. We live 365 days a year that there should be this constant daily remembrance that we don't have to live in fear. We don't have to because it will cripple us from living the life God's called us to live. Let's look at Matthew 25. You see, get to the parable of the talents. You may be familiar with it. <clears throat> it says, then the man who had received the one talent. This is the guy who had the least responsibility. There was five, two, and one. Okay, talent was like a whole year's salary of money that this guy was being a steward over. So one guy had five years worth of money, one guy had two years worth of money, another guy had one year that he was supposed to tend for the master. And this guy that had the least to lose, the least on the line, the least to worry about, he's the guy in the story that freaked out and did nothing. And he says, Master, he said, I knew you were a hard man, harvesting where you had not sown and gathering where you had not scattered, so I was... Afraid. And I went out and I hid your talent in the ground. See, here is what belongs to you. Well, what the master was looking for wasn't just to get back what he already had, he had a servant to produce increase. So he was robbed of the increase because the guy was so afraid. And of course, the master does not respond well. To that at all. You can read the rest of Matthew 25 and see that. But what I want to take away from here is that the fear made the guy. He had an opportunity. The other two guys took the opportunity and were rewarded. Was there risk? Of course. That's why the guy with the one was freaked out. Because there's the risk of loss. But the risk of loss made him get paralyzed. And he stuck it in the ground. He didn't do anything with it. He didn't do anything with it at all. Missed his opportunity. Matthew 14, verse 23 says, After he, Jesus, had dismissed them, 
he went up on a mountainside by himself to pray. And later that night, he was there alone. And the boat was already a considerable distance from the land. He'd put his disciples in the boat, send them to, to the other side. And it was already distance from the land, buffeted by the waves because the wind was against it. So they're going against it. Another, another one of the, the um, gospels says they were straining at the oars. They couldn't just have a nice leisurely float across. They're having to work it. They're being some Vikings over there and boom, making it happen. And so when they're straining against the oars, and it was buffeted against the waves and the wind. And then shortly before dawn, Jesus went out to them walking on the lake. I love how casual the Bible is for that. Jesus went out to them walking on the lake. Yeah, sure. No biggie. I sent you ahead. I know I can catch up. I'm Jesus. I can go pretty good, pretty good pace. And he sends him out ahead walking on the lake. And when the disciples saw him walking on the lake, they were terrified and said, it's a ghost. They immediately, in their terror, go to something supernatural, but something bad supernatural. They don't go to some other type of thing. They're afraid, and they connect with something that's paranormal, something that's supernatural. But they connect it with something that's bad. It's a ghost, they said. And they cried out in fear. And Jesus immediately said to them, Take courage, or fear not, for whichever translation you're reading. It is I. Don't be afraid. Lord, if it's you, Peter replied, tell me to come to you on the water. This is Peter's idea. All of a sudden, he sees his master out there walking on the water, goes from it's a ghost to now it's, the, it's Jesus, and he says, Lord, if it's you, tell me to come. You can walk on water. I can, you, I can walk on water. We've got this. I'm your follower. You've, you've called me into this thing. He had the right mindset flowing there. And Jesus simply says, come. Just a simple one word thing. One simple word. Come. And then Peter got out of the boat walked on the water, and came towards Jesus, period. Peter walked on water towards Jesus. So many times we think, we think oh, the Bible casually says Jesus walked on water because it's talking about Jesus. But you know what? Peter walked on water, too. He walked on water, too, period. There it is. He walked on water, and came towards Jesus. But then the butt shows up. But when he saw the wind, he was afraid and beginning to sink. He is living a reality that should not in our normal world exist and looks at a reality that exists all the time, the winds and the waves and sinking and all that. And all of a sudden, him living the experience of him living a reality that should not exist, all of a sudden begins to get trumped, begins to get overridden by this reality of, his, <clears throat> of the, the wind and the waves and the possibility of death. And all of a sudden, he begins to be afraid. People at every fear point we deal with, 
We rarely are rarely have irrational fears. Rarely. They happen. But most of the stuff that people take anxiety pills over isn't that the chair you're sitting in is about to come alive and swallow you whole. Sorry if I put that in your mind now. <laughs> we don't think about that. That's not what you're on, you're on anxiety med for. It's on stuff that happens. It's on layoffs. It's on health issues. It's on issues with the family. It's on all sorts of normal, regular stuff that happens. And folks, the reason we have to choose God's way above is because there is another reality. The winds and the waves and sinking were reality, but there was another reality right there that Peter was already living. He was walking on the water. And folks, for us to step from one reality to another, we have to choose to not live by fear, but to trust in God. This is why Celebration Church over and over again is about knowing Him better and trusting Him more. Why? Because that's where we begin to let go of the fear and live the life God has called us to live. And he began, he beginning to sink, cried out, Lord, save me. He at least knew that Jesus still was going to be able to stand on that water and pull him up. That just because Peter was going down didn't mean God was going down. Jesus was going down too. Immediately just reached out his hand and caught him. You of little faith, he said, why did you doubt? And when they climbed back into the boat, the wind died down. And then those who were in the boat worshipped him, saying, truly you are the Son of God. Truly you are. Truly you are the Son of God. This is our place of tension if we're going to deal with and, and get rid of the anxiety fear lens. We have to understand what God is speaking to us. Jesus was speaking to Peter, come out on the water. This was something Peter initiated. You realize he prayed. He's talking to Jesus. When we talk to Jesus, we're praying, right? He prayed, Lord, ask me to come out there. He got his word audibly. He got an audible answer, come steps out and still had his moment. Still had his moment. Folks, nobody's here to beat you up because you're dealing with anxiety. All we want to do is learn how to put it behind us. Let's learn how to put it behind us. Because fear will keep us from seeing the good things that God wants to do in our lives. Fear will stop it. It will get in the way. One of my favorite stories that I love to tell about dealing with this place of, of fear and anxiety and seeing the tension was when I got to, to, to uh, watch Brooklyn ride the Superman roller coaster in, in uh, Six Flags, Texas years ago. And Brooklyn had wanted to ride it, wanted to ride it, but it's a, it's a pretty intense roller coaster. Got a lot of loops, big drop. It's, cool, it's a cool ride. And everything within her mind knew that the bulk of the people that get on that get off that just fine. Actually, to our knowledge, everybody that gets on it gets off of it just fine. And she watched it. She studied it. She saw it happen. What was so amazing is she gets in line, and we're in line, and she's about 11 or 12 years old, and she's sitting there, and with the, the goes a little closer, and all of a sudden she starts. <laughs> I'm like, baby girl, are you okay? I'm fine. I'm fine. And she'd look up at <laughs> And she does that all through that line. Sweetheart, you don't have to ride this. Daddy, I'm riding it. I'm like, awesome, 
Awesome. She gets up closer. You finally get to that moment where you're the next one at the gate. You've got the little automated gate, and you're there, and the, the thing comes in. And everything opens up, and she's right there. And then all of a sudden, she is holding on to those rails and just sitting there. Like, oh, you want to still do this? Yep. She gets in, grabs a hold, and made a choice. The fear and the knowing that she was okay were both right in front of her face, and she kept choosing that she was safe, choosing that it was fine. We are as safe, more safe, in the hands of God and stepping into the adventures he has for us than she was in stepping into that. On the other side of it, her response was, I want to do that again. It was amazing. Philippians 4, 6 and 7 says, Do not be anxious about anything. I love it that this, we tend to say, you know what, there's some things to be anxious about. It's okay. We, we got a little couple of little anxious pocket things over here, and we won't be anxious about it, but those, those are big, and those are scary, and those are bad, and it's okay. He says, don't be anxious about anything, but in every situation, by prayer and petition, with thanksgiving, present your request to God. And the peace of God. So typically when we are full of anxiety, we don't have any peace. So when the anxiety comes, this is our response to anxiety. You've shown how to deal with anxiety when it shows up. Don't be anxious about anything, but everything by prayer and petition, With thanksgiving, present your request to God. And then the peace of God, which transcends understanding. So many times we want peace because we want to understand it first. And the peace of God comes in and it goes beyond understanding. You can have peace and people go, why are you so at peace? And you legitimately go, I don't know. I just know God says it's going to be okay. I just know. And everybody else on the outside who doesn't have the grace for you in that moment is going, I don't get it. I'd be in a total meltdown right now. But when it's there, the grace is there, and you sit there into the peace that goes beyond understanding. And it will guard your heart and your mind in Christ. We need them both guarded because our mind can then get on that train again and end up back at anxiety all over again. But the peace of God will guard it. Now, folks, you and I are called the children of God, right? We're the children of God. Okay? And the Bible tells us that we receive things from God with childlike faith. Okay? So this morning, I want us to do something a little childlike. We're going to get a hold of our inner five-year-old. Okay? And you were given, or should have got, a balloon on the way in. Okay? You got this balloon? And if you didn't get a balloon, we'll pass out some balloons. And so what we're going to do is, is we're just going to blow up our balloons. Okay? But what I want you to do is just initially recognize every time we give life. Remember, the winds were blowing there, Peter. Peter was okay, and the winds were blowing. So every time we give life to it, I want you to put a little air in it. All right? And as you're looking at the screen, you do this, and you can, you can still see around it. You can still see around it, but you keep going. (laughs) 
All of a sudden, it gets a little bigger, and it begins to dominate your view. All of a sudden, now the bulk of you, I can't even see anymore. And now all of a sudden, it gets to a place that this balloon has become a lens. I can see through it a little bit. I can see a little stuff on the other side, but it's all tinted by this. So once we're in this phase, what do we do? We have anxiety blocking everything out. So what we're going to do is we're going to get our, not our inner five-year-old, our inner three-year-old. Okay? And right now we're about to have one of the most fun moments I get to have as a pastor. Because we're going to give this to God. So before I'm going to count it down, three, two, one. But I want you to nice and full. We're going to give this to God. Do we have this ready to record? All right, we are together going to give this to God. Ready? Hope you're doing it in T9. Ready? Three, two, one. <laughs> that is awesome. Awesome. You see the joy? You see the joy that's on the other side of you giving up your anxiety? Do you see the joy that's on the other side of you giving it to God? Of you just releasing it to God? That all of a sudden we can see clear again. All of a sudden we recognize it was just some blustering wind. That's all it was, was some blustering wind. I'm not saying the stuff we face isn't serious. I'm just saying our God is more serious. Our God is more real. Our God is bigger. And we can truly do this. And us hanging on to our fear when we are in the hands of the all-powerful God is as silly as that moment we just experienced together. It's silly to hang on to that. Let's dare to give it to God. On the other side of that, it should have said, Abba, Father. We have our fear and anxiety, and all of a sudden, the first thing it's going to try to block out is that God loves you like a daddy. You begin to forget that He's your daddy. In fact, Romans 8.15 says, The spirit you receive does not make you slaves so that you live in fear again. This, rather, the spirit you've received brought, you, brought about your adoption to sonship, and by him we cry out, Abba, Father. By him we cry out, Papa God. That's why we don't have to live in fear. The creator of the universe is your daddy. And he cares about you. See, knowing that God loves you and values you sets you free from fear. Matthew 10, 29 says, Are not two sparrows sold for a penny? Yet not one of them will fall to the ground apart from the will of your Father. And even the very hairs of your head are numbered. So don't be afraid. You are worth more than many sparrows. Here's what I despise about this, the enemy coming in and making you not value yourself. is because it makes it easy for you to buy into the lie that God doesn't value you either. This is why God wants to renew you and see a place. As we sing songs, more of you and less of me, it's not saying that we're low-down, dirty dogs. 
It means we quit being selfish and self-centered and we look and we find our biggest lives exist in God. We want more of Him. And then the real us is released. We want to close with 1 John 4. Verse 15 says, If anyone acknowledges that Jesus is the Son of God, God lives in him and he in God. And so we know and rely on the love God has for us. God is love. Whoever lives in love lives in God and God in him. In this way, love is made complete among us so that we will have confidence on the day of judgment because in this world we are like him. There is no fear in love. Perfect love drives out fear because fear has to do with punishment. The one who fears is not made perfect in love. We love because he first loved us. When you understand how perfectly loved you are, that is what perfect love is. It's not us being having perfect love. It's recognizing he has perfect love and it drives out our fear. Recognizing that you are perfectly loved by God should drive out all of this other stuff that keeps us sidelined and and jacked over in life. We are perfectly loved. See, knowing that you are perfectly loved by God casts out all fear. This is why we keep coming back to the Jesus lens. The scriptures tell us that if God would give us Jesus, how will he not with him also freely give us all things? He is. You want to know how much God loves you? You look at Jesus. That's it. Over and over again. So this morning, I want to first just pray a prayer over you. So just please just bow your heads with me right quick. Heavenly Father, Lord, I just pray over every person here, Lord, and I pray right now, Lord, that this spirit of joy and truth and life, Heavenly Father, that we have in you, Lord, is, 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 becomes our forefront reality. That we are perfectly loved in you. And I lift up every person here who battles and deals with anxiety and fear. Lord, I pray over them right now. Lord, that there's no judgment. There's no rebuke. Lord, there's just love. Lord, and every person here, Lord, as they release that to you today, recognize that we can bring those things to you in prayer. That they recognize this morning that anytime anxiety tries to creep in, that they can come to the one that perfectly loves them and present those things in prayer. And your peace that passes understanding will guard their hearts and minds. God, I thank you for that. I thank you for that. Thanks for listening to this week's message from Celebration Church. We hope you'll stay connected by following us online. You can find us on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter.